Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. A bunch of sheriffs are challenging federal supremacy. Well, the progressives have to circle the wagons. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Time is running out. Basically, this is it. If you're in August of 2023, when this podcast comes out, you've got a day or two left. So... It's time to grab that deal on Andrew Jackson. Reading Andrew Jackson, $70 off. Use the coupon code Jackson. Get the deal. It's the lowest price you're ever going to get it. So make sure you pick it up now. Save the most money you can. You can also purchase other classes there, of course. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Going to YouTube, clicking on the little super thanks button, the heart under the video if you're watching there, or go to Spotify for podcasters. You can throw a few pennies my way there as well. But of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you like it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can. Let people know you love it. Comment on YouTube for the algorithm. That helps get more eyes and ears on the show. All right. Wrapping up um, our discussion this week and with a very interesting article. It was uh, from a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it was on right-wing sheriff's organizations. Now, these organizations, a lot of people are really upset about these groups because they're disrupting American law. They're disrupting democracy, which I find fascinating in some ways because sheriffs are usually elected, right? So if you're saying they're disrupting democracy and these people are elected, whereas state police are not elected, uh, none of your law enforcement other than sheriffs are elected. Now, you could have elected judges, but generally, the enforcement arm in most states is not elected, but the sheriffs are. Well, who is really doing the work of democracy? The sheriffs, which, again, their, their powers are limited, generally, in many states by the state constitutions and the laws. But regardless, they do have a role in the courts, warrants, and other things. Well, I mean, they do have to enforce law at times. Well, who's doing the work of democracy? Those people who are elected or people who are unelected, but yet enforcing maybe unconstitutional legislation. And there is a historical background to this, right? So the sheriff actually comes, it's an old English position, and the sheriff was the law enforcement officer in the county, the shire, the shreve, the shire, from the king. He would theoretically do the king's bidding. But the sheriff was collected taxes and did all kinds of things. The sheriff was 
very independent at times, and the sheriff could pick and choose what the sheriff wanted to do based on local custom and precedent. This happened. Sheriffs could enforce some laws and not others. And in many ways, the king had to tolerate this. Now, he didn't always like it. There could be conflict. But the sheriff, as being a member of the community in which he lived, would often be influenced by those people and what he could and could not do. And we, we always see this. I mean, we have laws I've mentioned on the show. We have laws on the books in every state that are so ridiculously stupid that no one enforces them. But yet, we don't have anybody running around saying, that's not democracy. That's not democracy. What are you talking about? That's anti-democratic. We have the courts. We should enforce these things. Only when it comes to politically hot-button issues do we see this, where lefties get really upset about this stuff. And so you have these sheriffs, and of course their job, oftentimes, is to enforce various things through warrants, through organizing the court system. They can have a pretty outsized impact on what states do with various things. And so the sheriffs recognize this. And in the last couple of decades... There's been a movement by various sheriffs and then some pretty prominent ones like Sheriff Mack out west and others to to make sure that that role is understood by other sheriff organizations around the United States. It's no coincidence that Delaware abolished the sheriffs. Now they only have the state police. Why would they do that? Well, because the sheriffs could be an obstacle in, in unconstitutional in, in, in blocking unconstitutional legislation. Now we know there's a Supreme Court precedent for this. The court the court said in the 19th century that the state sheriffs, the law enforcement officials, not matter the sheriffs or the state police, but sheriffs in particular, didn't have to help federal marshals round up fugitives, and that would be the sheriffs. See, the sheriffs are the ones that go out and round up fugitives. So the state the United States Supreme Court said state courts don't have to comply. It's non-commandeering. The federal government cannot force state law enforcement officials to enforce federal law. What does that mean? That the feds can pass legislation, but if they don't go in and enforce it, nobody has to. So if the feds pass, for example, a COVID-19 mask mandate, and the sheriffs say, that's nice. We're not doing it. There is no precedent for the federal government saying you have to. If the federal government passes a gun control bill, whatever it is, and the sheriffs say, no, we're not enforcing that, they don't have to. Now, if the United States government wants to send in the ATF, well, they could do that. Um, The ATF could enforce it, but the sheriffs don't have to. They don't have to enforce anything of federal law. Zero. Zero. Because they don't have they cannot be commandeered to enforce federal law. Again, the court was clear if the federal government sent in agents, they can't block them from doing it, but they don't have to enforce anything. Now, there's a whole other side of this. If the law is unconstitutional, does the state even have to let these federal officials in the state? That's that's where you really start seeing some teeth and nullification. But just on the simple surface, 
these sheriffs that are saying, I don't have to enforce uh, COVID-19 mask mandates. I don't have to enforce you know, gun control. I don't have to enforce a lot of things. They're 100% correct. They don't have to do any of that. If the federal government wants it done, they can send in their own, own law enforcement officials and they can do it. What's remarkable about that is they don't have the manpower around the United States to do this. They don't have enough people. So if the states don't really comply with federal law, then in enforcing that federal law, it really doesn't get enforced. That's the dirty little secret. If the state police and the sheriffs and others just say, yeah, I mean, we're just not doing that. It's not enforced. The ATF does not have enough agents. The DEA doesn't have enough agents. None of these organizations, none of these three-letter federal organizations have enough agents to go out and enforce all of this stuff. Now, they, they can. I mean, they will go out and enforce things. And the states, according to the courts, can't necessarily block them from doing it. But this idea that this is anti-democratic is completely silly. These people are elected. Sheriffs are elected by the people. And they are a legal hedge against the federal government. And you go back and look at how these things worked, just historically, in the United States. In New England, you didn't really have sheriffs uh, because they looked at them as kind of a royal prerogative, you know, a smacking of monarchy. They didn't like it a whole lot. Now, of course, these people weren't elected back then, but they didn't have sheriffs at all. In, uh, in Virginia, they had sheriffs and they were elected. And in fact, they were uh, part of this um, hegemonic sense of liberty in Virginia, meaning that these people were from the gentry and they had people enforce the law, but oftentimes they would not enforce things that they didn't like. Richmond could even uh, pass a law or the governor of Richmond could say, governor of Virginia could say, you know, these are the things we should do. And the counties would say, yeah, I don't think we're going to enforce that. We're just not going to do it. So that, that hegemonic liberty would often filter down because the people at the top would say, that's going to affect us, and we're just not doing it. And I'm not going to enforce it anywhere else either. So you certainly had elected sheriffs in Virginia, and that, of course, was, a, was an interesting part of this cavalier culture. But they would oftentimes not always enforce whatever the governor wanted them to do. And then on the frontier, this is where it got really interesting. The sheriff simply would patrol the roads. They didn't do anything else. That was left up to the people. I love the essential uh, line of David Hackett Fisher on this in his book, Albion Seed. Again, a book. You have to get that book. It is, if anybody asks me, what's one book I should read about American history? It's that one. If you really want to understand American society, read that book. Because what you'll come away with is that all this stuff that people go nuts over and think that's just so alien to America... It's all there culturally. It's because we have distinctive cultural regions that we're trying to smash all together in one national authority, one size fits all, and it doesn't work. That's the whole point of federalism. Everyone knew it, except for all the dopes running things right now. They all knew that federalism was the important thing that would hold everything together. And you just had to accept there were differences. On the frontier, every man was a sheriff of his own hearth. That's the quote that was often used. And you get retributive justice. And so this is where you get vigilante groups and other things. They would just enforce. 
the rules and customs and precedents of the area. Now, we don't like that nowadays. We don't like vigilante justice. We don't like these things. In fact, Fisher brings up lynch law, right? David uh, brings up lynch that, uh, in South Carolina and how that where all that came from. These are vigilantes. We can call them all kinds of things. But to say that this was a recent... In, well, that's just recent because of you know things like race or whatever. No, no. Fisher actually says, well, if you mean by recent, you know, hundreds of years, well, then in this he's writing about this in the 1800s. If you mean by recent, basically going all the way back into the borderlands of Great Britain, well, then I guess it's recent. This is what these people did there, and they just brought it over here. It's cultural. That book really opens your eyes in so many ways about some things that we're critical of, that we know are just ingrained in culture. We may not like them, may not be something that we really appreciate or think we should have, but it's there because of culture. And that's what's really fascinating about when you get into early American culture and how all these things worked and where this stuff comes from and where these opinions and positions and how all that filters in. When you try to smash it all together in one size fits all, driven by, most importantly, New England ideology. As I said, who didn't have sheriffs? New England. The people that have sheriffs, the New Englanders don't like. The Yankee imperialism of New England, which is now dominating America, doesn't like it. You see? You see the cultural stuff happening. You see all of it happening. And then it starts, the light bulb goes off. It all starts to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, why should we live like New England if we don't live in New England? They can do what they want there. They don't have to have sheriffs if they don't want to. But in other parts of the country, why do we have to get rid of them? And can the sheriff not do things that these New Englanders don't like? Well, of course they can. And cannot federalism be the key that keeps us in a union together, which could be beneficial for New England and for any and every other state too? Could we use federalism to keep this thing together and not have so much political conflict? Well, absolutely. And that should be the overriding goal. It's we talked about reconciliation. Can we not recognize that there are valuable things in each group and there's not bad guys and good guys, but there's just people that have different positions? That's the real key of diversity, right? We're, we're, we're hammered with this. We need to have diversity. We need, But if you talk about real diversity, which would be acceptance, live and let live in so many ways, well, that gets people a little upset. This is why education is important. But... Let's look at this piece by uh, at the AP. A right-wing sheriff's group that challenges federal laws gaining acceptance around the country. This goes to Grand Rapids, Michigan. There's about 20 authors of this thing. <laughs> uh, it's pretty funny. Against the background hum of the convention center, Dar Leaf settled into a uh, club chair to explain the sacred mission of America's sheriffs. His bright blue eyes and warm smile belying the intensity of the cause. Here's this guy. It's Dar Reef. Dar Leaf, I'm sorry. Sits back in the chair in Michigan. In Michigan. Right, this isn't some guy from you know, Alabama. This is a guy from Michigan. Now, again, I've had people say that they've seen you know, more Confederate flags in Michigan than they did in parts of the South. People with defiant attitudes. But here he is, and he's got you know bright blue eyes and a warm smile. But this guy is vicious. This guy is bad. Don't trust him. Don't trust him. You can't trust this guy. Quote, the sheriff is supposed to be protecting the public from evil, the chief law enforcement officer for Barry County, Michigan, said during a break in the National Sheriff's Association 2023 conference in June. When our 
when your government is evil or out of that out of line, that's what the sheriff is there for, protecting them from that. Well, he's not incorrect about that. If the government's going to pass le unconstitutional legislation, it's going to do things that are not protecting the public good or the public safety, then the sheriff has a job to protect against that too. He's not incorrect. It's just that the lefties don't like this. Leaf is on the advisory board of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, founded in 2011 by former Arizona Sheriff Richard Mack. The group, known as CSPOA, teaches that elected sheriffs must protect their citizens from the overreach of an out-of-control federal government by refusing to enforce any law they deem unconstitutional or unjust. Now, Richard Mack has been a firm proponent of nullification for a long time. Uh... And he's basically, I mean, what he's saying here, again, just a, it's pretty straightforward, but the sheriffs have a job, have an obligation to not enforce any law that is unconstitutional. Now, again, this gets down to non-commandeering. They don't have to enforce it. What Mac and others are not saying, they didn't haven't ever said, is that, well, you block the federal government from doing it. Now, we could have that discussion. Can the state actually do that? Can the sheriffs actually do that? That would be something else. But uh, to say we're just not going to enforce any unconstitutional law. I mean, people have been doing this for centuries in the, what's now the United States. The safest way to actually achieve that, that is to have local law enforcement and understand that they have no obligation to enforce such laws, Max said in an interview. They're not laws at all anyway. They're, they're unjust laws. They're just laws of tyranny. It's true. Right? An unconstitutional law is no law. You know who says stuff like that? The founding generation, when they were arguing for the ratification of the Constitution, they said it over and over again, because they knew that. An unconstitutional or unjust law is really no law. The sheriff's group has rallied against gun control laws, COVID-19 mask mandates, and public health restrictions, as well as alleged election fraud. It has also quietly spread its ideology across the, the country, seeking to become more mainstream in part by securing state approval for taxpayer-funded law enforcement training, the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism found. <gasps> oh my goodness. These people are getting, getting money now from taxpayers. What, what's remarkable to me about all this is that how many left-wing organizations that focus on education and training get money from taxpayers that people don't like or don't support? You never see articles in the AP deriding them. No, no, no. Just a group they don't like. How many left-wing organizations get it? How many left-wing organizations get state money or federal money for doing programs that a large percentage of the population, if not a majority of the population, don't want and don't like? But they get rich off of it anyways. What's wrong with, quote-unquote, conservative organizations doing this? Do we not want to have a robust debate? But the problem is, you see, those left-wing organizations believe in democracy. They believe in the good stuff. These people don't. The group has held formal trainings on its constitutional curriculum for law enforcement officers in at least 13 of, these, of those states. And he puts constitutional in uh, quotation marks because they don't think it's constitutional. They don't think this is right. They don't think this is part of the original Constitution. Well, it is. In six states, the training was approved for officers continuing education credits. 
The group also has supporters who sit on three state boards in charge of law enforcement training standards. Legal experts. Who are these legal experts? But legal experts warn that such training, especially when it's approved for state credit, can undermine the democratic processes enshrined in the U.S. Constitution and is part of what Mary McCord, a former federal prosecutor and executive director of the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection at Georgetown University, called a, quote, broader insurrectionist ideology that has gripped the nation since the 2020 presidential election. <gasps> now look at what's happening here. Legal experts, like one. So, one person. It's a legal, one legal expert warns of such training. A specialist approved for state credit can undermine the democratic processes enshrined in the U.S. Constitution. How? What democratic processes? What are they, what are they opposing? You mean like unconstitutional laws? You mean like the three branches of the United States government? acting in concert and passing unconstitutional laws and sign, sign them into law and then upholding them when everyone knows that they're not I mean like that. That's the, uh, the democratic process enshrined in the U.S. Constitution. Quote, they have no authority, not under their state constitutions or implementing statutes to decide what's constitutional, what's not constitutional. That's what courts have the authority to do, not sheriffs. Well, I guess I would ask McCord, who made that quote, where is it in the U.S. Constitution or even I mean, the state constitutions? Where is it that it points out this is what the courts do? That's pretty vague, too, is it not? This is the whole point. Now, we know during the ratification process... There were people like Patrick Henry that said he hoped the federal courts would do some of this, but not to state legislation. And not only that, it doesn't explicitly spell it out. This is something they just started doing. So where is this enshrined in the Constitution? It's not enshrined in the Constitution. It's something that's just been done through custom and precedent. I can make a case that Maybe they should do this for federal law, not state law. Maybe they should do it. But if the Supreme Court upholds a clearly unconstitutional federal law, the Congress passed and the President signed, what, what recourse do we have left but the states? This is Jefferson's whole point. There is another sort of evil lurking there. An evil. This is the broader insurrectionist ideology. It's an evil lurking in these people saying, if you pass unconstitutional legislation, we're not enforcing it. That's an evil to these people. Think about the language being used here. Because CSPOA is now essentially part of a broader movement in the United States who think it's okay to use political violence if we disagree with some sort of government policy. Well, uh, political violence? Last time I checked, none of these sheriffs have engaged in any political violence. But we know the left has, right? We know Black Lives Matter has, and Antifa, and some of the others. We know they have. So how are the sheriff's organizations fostering political violence? This, is, this question isn't answered. Where are these people leading political violence? At least one state, Texas, canceled credit for the sheriff's training after determining the course content, which it said included a reference to, this is a war, 
was more political than educational. Oh my goodness. I mean, how many lefties teaching universities have not said the exact same thing when they're teaching history or sociology, psychology, whatever it is? They've said the exact same thing. What about Maxine Waters standing out in the streets with a megaphone saying you, you get in their face, you cause violence? What about that? Do we cancel all that? Do we cancel Maxine Waters? No. We haven't. But should we? But other states, such as Tennessee, have approved the training, in part because it was hosted by a local law enforcement agency. Unlike other law enforcement continuing education, such as firearms training, the sheriff's curriculum is largely a polemic on the alleged constitutional underpinnings of sheriff's absolute authority to both interpret and refuse to enforce certain laws. One brochure advertising the group's seminar states, quote, the county sheriff is, one of, is the one who can say to the feds, beyond these bounds you shall not pass. Well, that's sacrilegious to these people. You can't do that. You can't do that at all. But again, where have we seen sheriffs actually block the feds? Now, I know that there's been some instances where perhaps they've tried to do it, but in reality, where has it actually happened? Since 2018, the Howard Center AZCIR investigation found at least 69 sheriffs nationwide have either been identified as members of the group or publicly supported it, though at least one later disavowed the organization. A 2021 survey of sheriffs by academic researchers working with the nonprofit Marshall Project found that more than 200 of the estimated 500 sheriffs who responded agreed with the group's ideology. <gasps> oh no, they're almost getting half. And if they get half, well, that's really bad for us because then we start losing. You see, this is why they do this. They're going on the press now. They're putting out the press. They're going after it because they know they're losing. So they go after this and they paint them as bad people and racist. I mean, they're going to do that. Uh, all kinds of things. These people are just bad. In addition, reporters found at least a dozen U.S. Uh, counties influenced by the sheriff's group have considered constitutional county uh, resolutions over the past two years. The resolutions range from a simple reaffirmation or of support for the constitutional rights of county residents to empowering local government, including sheriffs, to refuse to enforce state and federal laws they interpret as unconstitutional. Now, the state laws is a whole other situation. But the federal law, absolutely. They're not even required by the Supreme Court to do it. Ever. Officials in two Nevada counties, Lander and Elko, have become official CSPOA constitutional counties, a step that includes a 2500 lifetime fee paid directly to the sheriff's group. Nationwide, there are some 3,000 sheriffs whose salaries are funded by taxpayers. They serve as the chief law enforcement officers in the counties and are the only elected peace officers in the, in the country. They appoint deputy sheriffs and jailers and service the courts in their jurisdictions. Especially in rural areas, sheriffs hold immense sway over what happens in their county. Where there's no state police, where you have you know just the sheriff out there enforcing these things. And so this is right. They do have a lot of enforcement power. They do have a lot of authority in these areas. And why would they enforce unconstitutional legislation? When the founding generation would say that's not what you do. Why would they do that? I mean, this is a big question. Why would, why would anybody enforce an unconstitutional piece of legislation? 
Well, because it's democratic. Amy Cooter, research director at the Middlebury Institute Center on Terrorism, Extremism, and Counterterrorism, said many sheriffs joined the group from a misinformed but well-meaning perspective. But she added it also allows some sheriffs to potentially engage in extremism by not enforcing legal, lawful, legitimate orders. <laughs> what is that? Put a mask on? Firearms control? I mean, what is a legal, lawful, legitimate order? Some states have pushed back against the group's training efforts, and not all sheriffs subscribe to the group's ideology. Many at the National Sheriffs Association Conference distanced themselves from the constitutional sheriffs or claimed not to know what they were about. When I took the oath 17 years ago as sheriff, I took the oath to uphold the Constitution, not overstep it, said Troy Wellman, sheriff of Moody County, South Dakota, and a vice president of the National Sheriffs Association. Well, what are you doing to overstep it? By enforcing unconstitutional legislation, how is that overstepping anything? And you took an oath, of course, to which constitution? Well, of course, I would think to your state constitution. Now, you do have to, all law enforcement officers essentially are sworn to defend the U.S. Constitution unless it's an unconstitutional piece of legislation. If it's not in the constitution, you don't have to enforce it. That's the whole point. And there has been public pushback in some counties led by constitutional sheriffs in Clickatat uh, Click County, Washington, residents alleged Sheriff Bob Songer, a board member of the sheriff's group, engaged in fear monitoring and intimidation. He was the target of a formal complaint in 2022 that the state uh, law enforcement standards agency ultimately dismissed for lack of jurisdiction. So the guy's sued. He can't go to trial because there's no jurisdiction. The people didn't really have standing to sue at that point. This is the issue. Now, of course, later on in the piece... What do these people do? What do, what do these 50 authors do? Well, of course this is all about race, right? Because some people that supported were involved in nefarious organizations. And we know that these people just want to uh, use this as a springboard for white nationalist extremist, extremist causes. That's all they really wanted to do. Of course, that's silly. But that's what it's described as. This is all about that. You can't make this up. When you read this, and if you're if you're a true believer in what these people are saying, this is, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. But any normal person will look at this and say, ah, I don't know, I mean, doesn't sound like they're doing much here. I mean, maybe. I mean, you write it, and it sounds like these people might be out there doing all kinds of horrible things, but then you look at it, and they're not really doing any of that. It, becomes interesting. So, anyways, I'm not going to read the rest of the piece. Um, we got up to the time limit here, but on what I want to do. But this is out there, right? So you have this perspective on these things where uh, sheriffs who are interested in being a hedge are being called all kinds of names. But yet again, when you look at the history of sheriffs in America, that's in many ways what they were supposed to do. So, really interesting piece. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClendon Show. See you then.